Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all this news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, today, it is just Rhiannon and myself. Uh, we wanted to get as much Guardians talk in as we could, and so it has meant uh, no no Rhiannon last week, no Adam this week, but we're still going to get talking about it. I don't oh, think yeah. it's a feud between the two of them, but maybe I don't know. You, know. you guys podcasted last week? I should have listened. Oh, I'm... yeah. No, I talked with Adam about um, about Guardians and... All that kind of stuff. So, so did he like Guardians? He did. Adam was really into it. So, <laughs> I think we may have a rare three for three here. We'll 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 see how it goes. Maybe not. Maybe it <laughs> surprises. We'll see. We'll see. Um. Now, one thing we did talk a little bit about last week that I'm interested in talking to you about, just because I know you have friends in this world. Uh, any thought on the writers' strike and? I don't know, just any of the storylines that are coming out of all that mess. Dude, I I think this is going to be big. Um, I think it's going to go on for a long time. And I think it's going to negatively impact a lot of stuff. Um, I, I mean, like what the writers are asking for is no big deal. Um, well, I mean, it's a big deal, obviously, but it's it's a very necessary thing i mean i'm sure you guys talked about it. i feel like everybody's talking about you know that a lot of it is about the streaming residuals and stuff like that and i think like back when netflix you know back in like 2015 or so the word was that like staff on these shows got a whole lot more upfront to make up for the fact that they wouldn't ever know how many eyeballs saw it and stuff like that and we're just sort of in a different world, you know, like we're, we're now at the point where Netflix, where, where things are almost where they were before streaming became the norm in terms of writers, but they're not getting those residuals. So I, you know, I, from everything that's been public, I don't see that there's a whole lot of movement from those that need to move to make this right for writers, uh, the director's guild and IATSE, which is like all of the the tech people i think behind the scenes you know like a lot of them are looking for their contracts soon as well and going to be wanting the same concessions so we will see what happens it's already impacting like the tonys aren't going to be broadcast live they requested a waiver to be able to be live um it shut down daredevil this week for anybody that didn't see that um they first did it for one day but then they ended up having to shut down production for the whole week. So, I mean, it's a hundred percent going to impact the stuff that we see. Um, it's going to impact every property. I, I was joking with some folks when this first started. I don't know if you guys talked about this, but like the writer strike 15 years ago or so, like 2008, whenever that one was, that's how we got de- the, the, Deadpool and X-Men uh, Apocalypse, was it? Oh, no. You're talking about X-Men Origins Wolverine. Origins. Yes. Yeah. Yes. X-Men Origins, where you have like the Deadpool with no mouth. Like that was because they literally didn't have writers to put words. And they, you know, a lot of what Ryan Reynolds did in that was ad-libbed, which maybe was a good thing. You know, it showed that Ryan Reynolds could really rock the character. But I mean, there's a lot of things that you you go back and you look at the impact of that writer's strike. You know, it doesn't look great. There's a lot of great shows that 
died after a few episodes because of the timing of that strike. Hopefully the timing of this one um, keeps us from having like three episodes of a show that never returns to production or something. But um, yeah. yeah. I mean, on the Save Daredevil side, we're totally supportive of the writer strike. And like, even if it impacts Daredevil, like we'd rather the writers get paid. like you know and the people behind the scenes to be treated fairly so that's sort of our stance on it but um yeah yeah it's funny because you mentioned the last one i think this is a great sign of how old you are because the other day i was talking to my wife and she goes oh they're on strike again didn't they just go on strike a couple of years ago i was like uh 15 because like it was a big deal like a lot of stuff shut down a lot of tv shows got messed up uh, if you watch late night, like late night disappeared for a long time. Like, and so it just cracked me up that her first instinct it was mine a little bit too. is like, oh, wow, already. And then we realized, oh, that was 15 years ago. <laughs> they tried to reset stuff. Yeah. I kind of thought like the lesson of that one that was learned was like, don't let it get to this point again. Yeah. Like, cause that one was huge. It went on for like three months. Well, and what's interesting is I have read a place or two and I could believe it that having a one to two month strike is actually great for the studios in as much as right now we're at a place where um, the big thing that like wall street's pushing is, you know, be more profitable. Yeah. And so if they don't have to pay anybody for two months and they can get a quarter where they're putting out previously made product for revenue, but they don't have to shell out anything to make new stuff. It's going to make their, you know, Q2 or whatever look insanely good. Because, you know, like, like even at Marvel, it'd be like, well, we made all this Guardians money and we didn't spend anything on Daredevil. Well, yeah, but down the road, it's going to bite you in the butt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, down the road, this will push Daredevil into like the Christmas holidays. And are Vincent and Charlie even going to be up for that? And I, yeah, I I love corporate next quarter profit thinking. I just love it. Oh, it is so bizarre to me. I mean, it really does run things. I mean, the release schedules that we're getting out of Disney right now are, I think, somewhat around, you know, appeasing like the corporate overlords at Wall Street so that, you know, the stock price does something they want it to do. It's very frustrating. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I hope they aren't taking that mindset. Um, but I mean, like, I I don't see any sign of this ending quickly. So um, I'm already sort of looking, you know, like, how is it going to impact San Diego Comic-Con? How is it going to impact, like, um, you know, what shows are pushed there and all of that? And But yeah, those of us that are old enough to remember The Last Strike... There were so many good shows that died because of it. Like they just couldn't get the writer's room back. They couldn't afford to keep going with it or the audience was lost. Yeah. Um, Well, and people don't really, I think sometimes people forget that the different parts are in different kinds of like contracts. So like the actor contracts keep on running. It's not like the actor contracts go on pause. Uh, This was something that happened with, um, uh oh geez i'm losing my why the last man i don't know if it would have got renewed or not 
But part of the problem is it got delayed so much by the pandemic that they maybe would have made a second season, except for they ran out of time and all the actors' contracts like folded for a second season. So they would have had to completely like renew all the contracts and like as a different thing and not just the continuation of a season two. And it just killed it in the water. And that kind of stuff happens, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. Like there's so much complexity. And even though like, even though the writers are the ones that are striking, the other guilds are also supporting the strike. So you have a lot of, that's where, that's what happened on Daredevil is that the writers picketed and it is a policy of the folks that are in the other unions not to cross a picket line, even though it's not their picket line. Like if there is a picket line in front of where they work, which I don't know, I grew up in an area that doesn't have unions. Like I grew up like, so to me, like the whole union concept is, is foreign to me. So, I mean, like, I don't know, this was stuff I didn't know. Like, the writers are there picketing, so your Directors Guild members aren't going to cross that picket line. Your IATSE folks, your some of your SAG folks, you know, and that's where we've seen, like, Tatiana Maslany in picket lines and some other actors, like, out in the picket lines with the writers. Um, so it doesn't necessarily just keep the writers off of set, and that's what's actually shutting these things down. But also, and I just feel this needs to be said, like the writers are on set throughout all of production. You want the writers on set throughout all of production on a movie or a TV show. You know, if they get there and they realize the line isn't working, you want the person that like has been writing all of the lines to write those filler lines so that it all makes sense and stays in the same story and works. Well, and it really matters with TV because sometimes the writers are aware of what's going on six episodes down the road that sometimes even a director or actor is not fully aware of, you know, like there are times that the writers are the most informed person on, on the set. So, yeah. Yeah. So I hope they come to a resolution quickly and that it's good for those that need to get paid. I don't give a crap about the, about the corporation's next quarter profits. Uh, I just want good. Yeah, I, I just want the stuff that I'm watching to like have people paid a fair wage behind the scenes. So yeah. it does make me wonder if this is a secret reason why the Marvel TV slate has been slowed up a little bit. Because if you think about it, they've got Secret Invasion and they've got Echo and they've got Loki 2 and I think Armor Wars, like all in their back pocket. And it makes me wonder if they slow played those a little bit to have inventory available for Disney Plus if there's going to be a hundred day gap or whatever, you know. Mm hmm. That would have been a really long-term strategic move, but they could end up getting a win out of it. Um, if those properties don't need writers, they're in the editing. And I mean, you know, in a TV show, the writers are usually, and there again, this might be where Marvel wins because they have moved to that lead writer strategy. 
and that the writer is not the showrunner. Like if that turns around and ends up like doing good for them, I'm going to be so mad. But we, we talked about that a little bit last week. I was wondering, I told Adam, I'm like, is it possible that Disney like figured out that there were ways to like get around union stuff by like in giving certain responsibilities to directors so that they didn't have to worry about, you know, writers or whatever. I mean, but the directors have a union. Yeah, that's true. The producers have a union. Like, Everybody involved in the production of this has a union. Um, and that's what, and the director's contracts is going to be rene- renegotiated soon. The producer's contracts, like this is there. And they're saying the same issues are going to come up for all of them. And somebody was telling me this week that like the previous, that long writer strike in 2008, it ended up ending because the directors negotiated something and it wasn't great for the writers, but it was finally just movement that helped them, you know, get closer to the one they wanted. And they were pretty much forced to end their strike because, like, they had gotten some of the concessions they wanted. Like, basically, the directors kind of kept the writers from getting everything they wanted by accepting less, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, you know, what the priorities are will be fascinating. To me, the AI has got to be the big thing, right? Like, you, see, I would think the residuals would be the biggest thing. Oh, see, to me, if you're not careful and you let AI out of the bag, you may not have writers at all at some point. You know, like, mm-hmm. to me, that's the thing. I think the one that's hard is sort of like the minimum size writer's room and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because it, you know, it doesn't happen often, but like, I don't know, like, I, I don't remember how Peacemaker went, but James Gunn, I think, did a lot of the writing. It it doesn't, to me, as much as I'm on the writer's side most of the time, the idea of like, oh, James Gunn wrote six episodes of this thing, but we're going to force you to hire three other people to sit in a room and look at his script and go, oh, good job, get James. You know, like, I think that's the part that's going to be the hardest to sell to people. But Yeah, and I'm sure they have... I mean, I don't know. I would think they would have ways around that, for, like limited series versus TV show. Like, how many episodes does it take to be a minimum size writer's room yeah. or something like that? Um, well, and it's hard, though, because Disney Plus nowadays hardly makes anything that's more than six yeah. episodes. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know all the details, but I, I just hope it doesn't. I just hope the overall impact is less than it was in 2008. Um, I do find it just interesting to see how the picket lines are strategic, strategically placed, like how they're strategically going in certain cities where there's filming and targeting certain properties and kind of honored, but also miffed that they're targeting daredevil. (laughs) No, exactly. I mean, it does seem like, I mean, it's, it's easy to see. I just saw an article on one of the trade sites where they're interviewing like um, Natalie Portman about a new project she has mm-hmm. and they still name dropped like Thor in the like title. And I'm like, she was in that movie a year ago. Why are we still talking? But it's because the Marvel gets the clicks. So it makes sense that the unions would go after the Marvel production yeah. because that also will get them clicks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I hope it moves on so that Daredevil can film. <laughs> and be good and have good writing like i i i I don't want daredevil to keep filming if they're not going to have the writers like that's the biggest concern 
is I don't think even that the, it's strike or that things are shut down or things are delayed. The biggest concern is something's not delayed, like yeah. that they lose the writers for three months and they still push to get Daredevil out on time. That means you either have to cut the episode count, but there's going to be three or four just like half baked episodes of characters looking at each other in silence because nobody was there to write them a script, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That. I don't know. So we'll see. All right. Let's talk about Guardians then. Uh, what'd you think about Guardians, Rhiannon? Um, I found it hard to watch. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I mean, like, I, very openly, I was dreading this movie because, you know, I knew it would be the Rocket Origin story. And, I mean, full spoilers, I assume anybody out there listening assumes full spoilers but i i knew it would be the rocket origin story and i knew that would be gut-wrenching and like i saw that scene of the little baby rocket with the tears in his eyes or whatever you know back yeah. at comic-con i was like i don't want this um because like I, I don't know i can only take certain animal stories but I mean, like, aside from that, I mean, like, James the Gun told a story. It was great. It was only maybe tangentially daddy issues. So that's pretty cool. Like, it, it he, you know, did some new stuff. But overall, I just found it hard to watch. Like, it just, I it, and none of it I'm saying is bad or that unwatchable. I am just saying for me personally, I cannot stand to see a knife like I can't watch surgery videos like I can't stand to see a knife cutting skin okay so like that whole scene where they're breaking into the planet that's a living organism and they're having to Uh cut through the layer I just literally could not look at the screen through all of that because I just can't um it's just my personal ickiness like Uh so There was just so much of that. And then we got yet another ship blowing up for 15 minutes while people had to save themselves. Marvel, I do not need another 15-minute ship blowing up sequence in any movie ever. And maybe that's what everybody loves about Marvel. And, like, I should just go watch the TV shows or, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, we've... But I did not need another 15-minute ship blowing up everybody trying to get off type sequence i so like my overall assessment afterwards was like that was an okay movie but i will never ever watch it again that's interesting never see i'm really i'm i want to get back so bad like i i want to see it immediately again that's fascinating i am sure there are parts of it that like i might enjoy more on a second watch or something like that but i no no i there is absolutely nothing about this movie that i'm like oh i would even just like fast forward to that scene like i love the rocket story i think that was lovely i love the concept of rocket being the most inventive problem solving creature that the high evolutionary ever created i I think the story was great. I think everything that they went through was really interesting. Um, 
but I did not find it watchable or anything that I would ever want to see again. So like, even like, like the big hallway fight was just too gross for you. The big hallway fight. Like yeah, no in, sleep till Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Where they just like plow um, through like all the like animal monsters. Yeah. Well, and there's the thing, all of those scenes had just like so much monster splatter and yeah. Like, no, no. The no sleep till Brooklyn scene did nothing for me. Wow. Yeah. Well, no. we did. it is yeah. a Marvel News Desk special just like always there's always one i i know i'm sorry (laughs) well and that's what i'm saying like overall i don't think it was a bad movie and i applaud james gunn taking all of the cinematic steps that he took like because he did amazing things in that you know like the visuals were distinctively something different maybe almost i mean i don't know i felt like i was watching suicide squad for a lot of it but I, I, you know, I, I feel like he has an amazing brain. He does amazing things. The visuals were crazy. Like there were so many different animal creatures, you know, the innovation of all of the creatures that we saw. Like I will applaud all of the elements and storytelling and all of that. I just did not find it watchable. It's just not fun for, yeah. Cause there's yeah. like a, a unique combination of things that you just don't enjoy that were like yeah. right on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, and you know, like I fully accept, like these are all my issues, but I, I cannot stand like animal cruelty. And I mean, I can't, not even animal cruelty. I can't stand if there's like a story on Facebook of, this dog got hit by a car and then he got his leg fixed and then he did it like i i can't handle like animal surgery stories <laughs> so, like, so it's just my special issues yeah yeah absolutely it makes i mean that makes a lot of sense i told adam last week that to me this is the um they let james gunn be james gunn more than ever on this you yeah know? and I think that is interesting because, you know, it's still within PG-13 bounds and Marvel bounds. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about a very similar thing there. Like, he loves, like, the, mm-hmm. the gross-out, biological, like, kind of yeah. super violence, grossness, like, you know, that that's kind of his whole, his whole jam, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I figured Adam would love it. And it was very comic booky. You know, like it had the outrageousness, the colors, the 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 visuals, the you know, all of that stuff. I, I while I was sitting there, I was like, Adam's really gonna love this. <laughs> um Do you think it um I mean, how did you feel it did as far as wrapping up sort of the trilogy and the story, all those kinds of things? Did it? Did it wrap up anything? I mean, just I feel like I feel like everybody was very tired and needed a nap at the end, and so they were off on the like I'm gonna go take my nap like directions. I didn't understand Mantis and Drax not staying together like they're a cool duo. Um, I mean they hate each other, but they clearly love each other too. And 
I don't know. I didn't entirely understand the directions everybody went. I liked, yeah, I mean, I liked the new generation of the Guardians of the Galaxy that, you know, Rocket's leading the team and that they're, you know, going on there. <laughs> so when the very last title card, so, you know, we saw Quill come down to Earth and he's with his grandfather and all that. And then that final title card came up that said, you know, Star-Lord will return the theater I was in started booing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And like one guy in the back just straight up like, it's more Chris Brown. (laughs) It was, yeah. Um, It was the theater in New York City, correct? Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, 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 that that makes sense for for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's fascinating because there is so much like anti Chris Pratt kind of talk. And like, you see it on social media and stuff. He's literally the biggest movie star on the planet. Like people adore him except for like a really loud, like 5% that hates his guts. I know. And I mean, you know, so curious where he's going to pop up again. What's going to happen with Quill. Uh, but, but I kind of agreed with the guy. I was like, why do we need more? Why do we need more Quill? Like of all the characters in that show that I wanted to see return, like Rocket will return. You know, Rocket yeah. the Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon is gonna, you know, like Rocket will return, or you know, Drax and Mantis will. Like all, anything could have popped up in that card and made me more excited than Star Lord will return. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. So I didn't mention this last week. Um, I felt really stupid. That so the actor who played Quill's grandfather is yeah. the same actor who's been there the whole time, you know? Yeah. I don't know why when he walked into that backyard and the guy looked up, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's Kevin Feige. They finally put Kevin Feige in a movie. And like I've looked it up now. To me, that actor looks a lot like Kevin Feige. Yeah. I left there thinking that he had finally gotten a cameo and I was like, no, it's the same guy who apparently is. Did you watch Gilmore Girls? Yeah. Do you know that Mitch, Mitchum Huntsberger, Logan's dad, is the grandpa in Guardians? Oh. Uh, no. Yeah. I. Yeah. So anyways, so for a minute, I thought there was a really cool cameo in that movie that was not actually there whatsoever. No. No, I know you sent that message and I was like, I looked him up and I was like, okay, I can see it. <laughs> I can see it. But yeah, I was waiting to see, I was waiting for the cameo to be something really big for the grandfather, but. Um, yeah, just the grandfather. Or, or there to be some, yeah. So, so like, no, I don't feel like it wrapped it up very well at the end, but I mean, I feel as a movie, it wrapped up the movie. Um. I feel like they left a lot of, you know, they left. I, I was shocked that nobody died. Um, yeah, I thought they were going to kill Quill, and um, maybe and that's why our theater went to that emotional place. <laughs> yeah, like hey, I, I thought they were really going to do it. I thought that was how they were going to end the trilogy: is just get Peter Quill out of there. Um, but they didn't. I mean, I thought for sure Rocket wasn't surviving this movie, and he did. So, like, I was I was really surprised that nobody died, I guess. 
um, yeah, I, everybody grew, everybody got to new places and stuff. Um, but as far as wrapping it up, did you feel like it wrapped it up really well? Yeah. I think Adam and I both felt like it did a really good job. Yeah. Okay. Cause Mantis goes from somebody who's like the definition of codependency to someone who says, I need to go my own way and do my own thing for a while. Okay. Drax goes from someone who thinks that the loss of his family makes him a revenge filled killer to realizing he just needs to be a dad again, you know, like okay. um, Gamora, we have a Gamora who's an individualized, like Gamora, like a comics Gamora and is setting out on her own path, which we thought was really good. Rocket finally deals with his attachment issues so that instead of pushing everybody away, he actually becomes like the leader of the family. Uh, you know, Groot is more just growing up from being a little baby to being an adult. Um, and so like across the board, yeah, we felt like every one of those characters kind of comes to the place they need. And Quill goes from a guy who's literally been running away from that one moment in life, his entire life, to somebody who purposefully walks through the door to embrace the pain that he dealt with and, you know, process it. So for us, it, yeah, it was, it was perfectly wrapping all that kind of stuff up, you know? And to me, every person that leaves makes a lot of sense why they leave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's where I feel like every single character's arc made sense and that they moved to a new place. I just, nothing about it to me felt like the end. Or like wrapping up a trilogy. Oh, so like even like even the big Florence and the Machine dance at the end. I mean, that was a nice end to a movie. Yes. Oh, see, but not the end to a trilogy. Also, that song has been used so much in stuff that I've seen. That. Like that was the thing. A lot of the music in this one to me was almost distracting. Whereas in the past, like while it has always been like pop tunes and you know, stuff like stuff that we've heard on the radio and all of that, it didn't seem distracting. It all seemed to really fit, but some of the music felt like it was just wedged in there. I didn't though there is a video out there of Florence seeing the uh-huh. use of her music in the movie, and it's lovely. Um, and I love that song. I love Florence and the Machine. I love that song. But to me, that song has been used in other properties. And See, people, I, I've loved it. I've seen it break, broken down a couple places now. They talk yeah. about the beginning credits. And mm-hmm. so the way there's a dance scene in the opening credits of Guardians, there's another yeah. one in the opening of Guardians 2. Guardians 3 opens with Creep, and it is not a dance scene. It's very low. But I think all Marvel movies should start with emo 90s music. Just. <laughs> and the, I, yeah, kind of like Black Widow. They did that yeah. with Black Widow, right? Yeah. Um, but then that this dance scene is now the capitulation of, it's like the full expression of what Star-Lord's doing at the beginning of Guardians and what Groot's doing at the beginning of Guardians 2. This one saves the dance scene at the end because at, light, at last these people are at peace with who they are and have come to grips with themselves. And so it's like this really important cathartic moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally there. Like to me, it makes the whole thing a very perfectly fit three-part story, you know? 
That's yeah, sure. (laughs) I think that's fine. See, to me more, if you're going to, if you're going to use the music as the circle is after that scene, Rocket having the same music from the very beginning of the series. Yeah. As he goes into battle with the new guardians. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, huh? We got both. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, I can see that cycle and that progression. It just, to me, that's not tying it up in a nice bow. That's just nice visualization and a nice movement through the characters and, and getting them where they are. But I mean, I don't know. It just, it wasn't for me. (laughs) And I, I mean, that's the thing, like, I've liked the Guardian stuff. I like James Gunn's other stuff. I like the Suicide Squad. I like Peacemaker. This is the only one of all of the, even with Suicide Squad. Well, and I think the Suicide Squad, you go into it expecting lots of people to be shot and blown up. And, you know, there was definitely stuff in that I couldn't watch. So I think I just didn't expect that level of gore in this movie, in a Guardians movie. I think, I don't know, my guess is this is pretty close to it, about as close as they could push to being R without yeah. getting an R rating. Yeah. So. Um, And I'm really curious to see, like, yeah, how it holds up, you know, as, oh, sorry, as, as more folks see it, like how it holds up. And I just, to me, this is the lighter, uh, I, not necessarily lighter because it's always been like deep stuff but i don't know to me it was tonally inconsistent throughout the movie Mm. i felt that the yeah but but like i said i still think it was a very good movie i think like he had amazing vision that was executed and you know any kudos he gets like i don't object to any positive talk about this movie it just wasn't for me yeah well it's interesting um we're getting you know box office results it had a lower opening weekend than they'd hoped mm-hmm. but i don't know if you saw this morning it's going to be a top five or ten as far as smallest drop week one to week two so the word of mouth and the amount of people mm-hmm. who are going back for a second like generally people are telling their friends you've got to see this and people are going back a second time which is good. Yeah, it's it's interesting for Marvel because they've not had that in a while. You know, their big thing lately has been open huge and then people never see it again. Like uh, Multiverse of Madness was very bad that way. Like huge opening weekend and then it falls off a cliff. But yeah, well, that's good. I, I mean, I'm glad it's getting good because it is a much better movie than some of the stuff. I, I don't know. I liked Multiverse of Madness a lot, but yeah. but I didn't go see it a second. Well, did I? I don't think I went to see it a second time. It's uh, it's weird to me because, you know, people were always fussing with Marvel. That, oh, it's just the Marvel formula. Marvel's just doing the same thing over again. I, I do feel like they've been given directors more of a leash to do something new. I, mean, I think Mania we got to kind of throw out because I'm not sure it did anything new. But like Strange, Doctor Strange, I think, went down a little more of like they allowed Sam Raimi to kind of do some of his horror kind of stuff and like in a way that's not normal for them. 
I think Black Panther Wakanda Forever is a way more serious and sad movie than anything they've ever done. And this one, I think they let James Gunn be himself a little bit more than usual. And if anything, I feel like people are punishing them now for like, oh, these movies just aren't as broadly accessible as they used to be. Well, yeah, because they kind of let the directors do their own thing a little bit more, you know, like that's a fascinating thing that's happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, and I think as you do that, as you allow creative freedom, part of that is accepting that there's going to be some failures. You know, if you're letting directors do what they want to do, there's going to be stuff that isn't perfect and isn't exactly what your brand always was. And I do appreciate, I appreciate a lot of the stuff that they've been doing, except for Thor. Thor was trash. But we can all, we can all hate on Love and Thunder, yeah. Like, like. I mean, like this movie, I and you know, nobody's going to call this movie trash. Um, I don't know. Somebody will because people do that. But nobody worth listening to is going to call this movie trash. It just, um, yeah, I, I'm glad. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that it's taking some word of mouth because I feel like there's a lot of people at this point that are like, I'm going to wait and see people what people say about stuff before I go and see it. Yeah. Because the Marvel movies have been hit or miss. And as people have talked about, it's not hard to when 60 to 90 days down the road, you're pretty sure it's going to hit Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah, that seems like a short one. I'm really surprised they've kept that short of a window. It's gotten longer and longer. I mean, they kept Quantum Mania off longer than they kept Wakanda Forever off. So that suggests to me that they're, they're, they're editing that down, you know? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, um, I was just looking the other day. I think, um, you know, we've pod three weeks in a row here for us. Yay, us. Give ourselves a pat on the back. Um, we I forgot we have Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse just three weeks away. Yay. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. I don't know. We may pod before that as well. We'll see. I know you are going to be busy doing your move stuff and all that. Yeah, I'm probably going to pack up my microphone. But that won't keep us from doing low quality podcasts. <laughs> There's That's right. to talk about. It's always better we have content to talk about. So <laughs> no returns to <laughs> how long do we think the pandemic's gonna last? Like we did seven times in 2020. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. Thanks for those who support us on Patreon. I haven't said this in a long time, but thanks to Alvin for our theme music. Uh, I think he's still at the school school. Uh thanks to Tim Cox for our logo, all that kind of stuff. Uh, We'll be back in a bit. See you guys.